0: I, I will say, when I was young, I did a lot of drawing because uh, back then I I feel like I didn't really know how to express myself, and I feel like a lot of artists when they're young go down this road of art is the only way that they can express themselves because they can't necessarily do it in speech or in dance or in any kind of interpretation. You know, maybe some can. You know, there there's a lot of ways how they can intersect, but for me it was drawing in a sketchbook.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host Jesse Jackson and tonight we are doing one of those, we're off the Bruce train. Uh, We are talking to a uh, a musician, a writer, uh, a another podcaster and so i'm sure bruce will come up because he always does but <laughs> this is one of those as we call our b-side episodes uh sebastian welcome to the show
0: thank you so much for having me
1: yeah uh so shug how do you say yep. your last
0: no you're exactly right and you were one of the first if not the first podcast host to actually get my name right
1: uh, well, thank you. I I, <laughs> I I I now think you're just you like that isn't really how to say it, but I'm gonna. No, 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 no. Good. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Sebastian Schug, it's it's German, and people uh, people assume that it's pronounced Schug, like you know shoe on your foot. Yeah. But um, no, yeah, it, it's very. That language is full of just guttural low sounding vowels anyway. So. so
1: you know what makes me think of this, Sebastian? And I don't you're probably not old enough, but you may have seen it on Reruns is the great uh sitcom Barney Miller.
0: And, oh you know, it, yeah, I've heard of it.
1: Yeah. So one of the characters is Polish and it's uh w- you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you spell that? Just like it sounds. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I'm looking at yours like, well, it's Shug, like yeah. it's shh and hug. So that's why I was like, <laughs> so it was easy for me. Um, so, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Give us your elevator pitch.
0: All right. Well, uh, my elevator pitch, unfortunately, has gone through a few rehashes in these past couple of months, and I will quickly give you the TLDR version of it. So, First things first, I started off as a freelance illustrator, illustrating children's books. Quickly moved on into writing and then into publishing, and did that for about five to six years. COVID knocked on everyone's door and said, Hey, I'm here. Let me introduce myself, and essentially shut down small businesses worldwide, uh, including mine, Sebastian Shug Publishing. I used to publish. Lowbrow satire, among other genres. I just thought it was funny. So, if you want, if you want to answer that, if you want me to answer that question, there you go. But yeah, ever since then, I attempted to put all of my sort of creation under one umbrella, which was Sebastian Shug Publishing. And while the business is now, you know, closed until further notice, my projects still remain. Now, do I still write? Do I still make music? Do I still illustrate? Of course, it's just not in the entrepreneurial aspect that that once was, so to speak.
1: You know, um, I'm going to this is a horrible metaphor, um, but I, I remember and I every time someone talks about being creative, there was a one of my favorite writers when I was younger in high school was um, Isaac Asimov. And uh the science fiction writer. And Mm -hmm. he um there's another story I tell about him all the time in the podcast, but he wrote a short story set in the future where um basically the idea was you put on um what we would call now 3D glasses and you watched films and you watched, you know, and they called it something else and um, and the short story was basically a day with the creative, like a, a, an executive producer ahead of a dream network. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters was a writer who was tired. He said, He's, I'm, I'm drained. I don't have enough. And uh, you know, the executive says, look, here's your contract. I'm tearing it up. You get out of here and Ooh. you know and the premise at the very end he's talking to someone and they said wow you that's a really bad day and he goes i had three meetings today one i think went okay one i'm worried about but this is the one i'm least worried about because creative people can't stop creating yeah and exactly um, so i have what i just needed to do was to free him from the responsibility of thinking he has to create. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he says, and I know he will be back because he can't stop doing what he does.
0: That is a, that is a very interesting perspective on it because I'll just kind of go into sort of a personal aside.
1: I told you we go off on tangents. No, no, no,
0: no, it's, it's great because this is another first for me. I did not, look at it like that because at the time when COVID was really hitting its stride and I thought, okay, all was lost. That's all what was on my mind. All was lost. And the fact of the matter is because I dabbled in satire, I was also worried on the back burner of copyright infringement. Now I never did anything wrong in terms of that. And as, as it goes for writing satire, um, you walk that fine line of, you know, fair use and it's commentary, you know, what, what could be the, le- the legal ramifications, right? And I'm knocking on wood here, because even though I didn't do anything wrong, in the era of COVID, I can see why people would go after every last red cent that someone has. We're a very litigious society. Yes, and, and, I, and I despise that. Um, so that coupled with the fact that, at the end of the day, people weren't buying books, that was what uh, unfortunately led to my independent publishing company's closure. And in that meantime was when I started to reach out to more podcast hosts, not to promote myself because I feel like a lot of people end up doing that at the end of the day. Uh, I'm guilty of it myself in the earlier days, but having a new perspective of, okay, where do you go from here as a creator? And I got to tell you, this was this episode this conversation in particular I could tell it's going to be a great one because music was what really led me out of that funk like where do I go from here kind of thing
1: well again I'm really looking forward to talking about that and you know what what I'm finding and I'm so I started this and my listeners I apologize this is you know you skip ahead you know hit your skip button a couple of times Uh, but I I just wanted to Lynette Carolla, um, Adam Carolla's wife, did four or five episodes where she talked to friends of hers and Adam's that were Bruce fans and shared their stories, including Phil Rosenthal, who everyone loves Raymond created that show. Mm-hmm. and he talked about how much he loved bruce and they they did not talk about their celebrity they just talked about their fandom and <laughs> i i thought that was amazing and i'm like i want more of these so it, in the spirit of lighting a candle instead of cursing the darkness i went to the guy who runs our network and i said hey rob i want to do a springsteen podcast And he goes okay and we just recently talked about this um he looked at his wife and says, Hey, Jesse's going to do a brief Springsteen podcast. I think we'll get a year out of it. Uh, and he says, and really that's all he wants. He says, if I can get 12 to 24 episodes, if I can get one episode a month or two a month from a show, I'm happy. Right. Cause podcasts mm-hmm. don't always last. Right. He said, you're now five plus years, 600 episodes, <laughs> you know, wow. and um, And what's happened over the years, Sebastian, is I found that what I really, yes, I love talking Bruce Springsteen and Mm -hmm. I love discussing how his music affected people's lives and and how he's been, uh, to quote him, a constant companion on this part of the ride. But what I really do is love talking to people who are passionate about almost anything. And so Mm -hmm. as the way you and I met, there are Facebook pages where it says, be a guest, you know, find a guest. And, um, about once a month, every six weeks I go into that and I go, I host a music podcast. If you want to join me to show to promote your podcast, if you can talk about music at all, (laughs) even (laughs) a little bit, I can squeeze you into my format and basically have fun. Um, and so I'm so glad you're here and I'm glad you want to share, Um, I am going to know, what kind of children's book did you illustrate?
0: Sure. So the children's series is, um, it's called The Adventures of Daniel. It was a, like I said, it's a very independent series. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I did not write the book. Uh, The original author's name is uh, Renee Gazarian. Okay. so if you'd like to check that out, those are the only books of mine that are still uh, available for purchase. Okay. so when I did sort of the great purge, if you will, of my publishing company, um, those were the books that were that were left because at the end of the day. That was my first ever project contracted project that I ever worked on. You can still find all of my old titles, you know, still floating around out there. Uh, but I think for all intents and purposes, you can't purchase them. They're just kind of archived. Okay. So, yeah.
1: All right. That's, that's interesting. Um, so, I always like to start at the beginning. And so, talk about where did you grow up? And was, and I'll, add, I'll broaden this in your term, not just as music, but was art, was artistic endeavors like writing and, and drawing and, and making music or listening to music part of your growing up
0: very much okay. very much so. I it, it's a broad question definitely and I, I unfortunately I could only answer it broad um, but I grew up you know basically doodling in sketchbooks um, you know when when you're a kid 12 13 14 year old, you know, drawing and making designs and you have no idea what the hell commission is or how to get paid for your work, rather. It's something that you inevitably have to learn if you want to survive as an artist. And coupled with the fact that when I got my first illustration gig, I was 15 years old. Admittedly, the vanity of it started to kind of take hold because it's like, oh, well, I think I'm hot stuff because I'm the only one doing this. You know, there weren't a lot of people even contributing to my high school's newspaper back then in like the little cartoonist section. So any single every single element that I could, you know, strut my stuff and show off back in the day. It was. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I'm not going to say that I reveled in the attention. Uh, for, for 16, 17, 18, I feel like I was, you know, still fairly modest, but it's easy to let that get to your head. And rather than letting it be my downfall, I sort of had it snowball where, you know, this is, I'm liking the enthusiasm because my enthusiasm for it in getting these projects independent, larger, you know, whatever people would start to notice it and that kickback, it would encourage me to do more and more and more. So I guess you could say that I was chasing a sort of high, a creative high. And I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to encompass more mediums that I haven't tried yet. Back then for me, it was animation. Right. And then I decided, well, I don't want to do animation, but I still know the fundamentals of it. Let me work on illustration. It's a lot more static, but I can still tell a story, Mm -hmm. you know, so,
1: did did you always know that you wanted to do something with drawing as a living?
0: When I was young, yes. Okay. Uh, though I, I will say, when I was young, I did a lot of drawing because uh, back then I I feel like I didn't really know how to express myself, and I feel like a lot of artists when they're young go down this road of art is the only way that they can express themselves because they can't necessarily do it in speech or in dance or in any kind of interpretation, you know, maybe some can, you know, there, there's a lot of ways how they can intersect. But for me, it was drawing in a sketchbook. Okay. When I began to really become more outspoken and fall in love with public speaking and communication, that is when I realized that, okay, okay, while I love drawing, and that will be something that I will forever cherish, it does not have to be mutually exclusive. This is the be-all, end-all career for me.
1: That's it, interesting. I, I've told this story multiple times. I have a I have a, a dear friend, I think of as a brother named Tom Zoller, who um, lives in Ohio, and he published... Um, You know a a comic book called Love and Capes, and he um, ended up doing four volumes of it on a trade paperback, and then he did um, for webtoons a um, a couple of series, Warning Label and um, Cupid's Arrow. Warning Mm -hmm. Label was especially funny because the premise is um, this uh, a young woman has a curse that anytime someone asks her out uh the guy immediately gets a list of all the things that's wrong with her as a warning label and Mm. why you should not date her um and the in the first couple of issues you determine you can take things off that warning label if you work through certain things. Um, so it ends up being a very romantic story. And Tom's a gifted writer and a gifted artist, but he says from the moment he picked up a crayon, he knew that's the only thing he wanted to do with his life.
0: Interesting. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, okay. that's the only thing he ever wanted to do. Uh, he, he got a scholarship to go to college. And instead he went to Joe Kubert's um, you know, art school. Uh, because he he knew he wanted to work in comics. So that was, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I, I think that's interesting that you didn't have the same call, even though you knew that art would always be part of your life, you were open to doing other things artistic. Were you ever, like, did you ever think well, you know, what I really want to do is go sell insurance. And I don't mean that literally, but like (laughs) joining business world, you always wanted to do something in the arts.
0: There was a time, and I think it comes, I think it's slowly transitioning into not so much me being the boring desk office guy, but more so along the lines of, okay, how do I find a practical means to fund my creativity? You know, and I think a lot of people end up thinking that getting that position, that this menial occupation that is, you know, an office space job is like selling your soul to the devil. You know, you didn't take the risk. You didn't jump the hoops. You didn't you couldn't say that you grinded 24 um, seven to pursue an artistic career when really I think that that's pretty inconsiderate to the person working his butt off At this job in order to fund it. I feel like a lot of people aren't willing to see sort of the backstage element of that. So as I'm getting older, I I will admit I have dabbled in the thought of, you know, I guess you could say, quote unquote, settling temporarily you know, I'm not hitting the lottery anytime soon. Let's just be real. The stock market, the stock market's low last time I checked and every single investment that I've ever made, you know, that you can deem as an asset is down. (laughs) You know, I have a long time of investing and waiting to do. So as of now, in the era of COVID still, where people need money more than ever, what do you do? Well, you have to, you have to kind of find ends meet at this point and whether it be that menial position or whether it be a stroke of good fortune brought upon by legitimate or illegitimate connections. I hope I don't fall in the ladder, but (laughs) needless to say, it happens to people. Um, You just kind of have to, uh, you have to take it in stride in strides and do the best thing possible at that moment.
2: So,
1: first off you you're bringing up something that i think is very um timely and we'll take our first four away into springsteen land um mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs of his is a song that is called better days and uh the song starts out well my soul checked out missing as i sat listening to the hours and minutes ticking away yeah, just sitting around waiting for my life to begin while it was all just slipping away. I'm tired of waiting for tomorrow to come or that train to come roaring around the bend. I've got a new set of clothes, a pretty red rose, and a woman I can call my friend.
0: And, That's poetic. <laughs>
1: and, and, you know... I said, I think this is more than just romance. I think it, and I've talked about this often.
0: It's th- it's more wanderlust than anything yeah. because a lot of people, when they get their first semblance of, I want to say fame, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I can only look at this in hindsight because, right. you know, analyzing lyrics, analyzing text, I mean, that's... <laughs> It's essentially what I went to school for, and I'm not trying to put yes. a chip on my own shoulder saying that. But when I, but when I look at this, the metaphor is, well, we're going to die anyway, and there's no point spending time waiting around wishing or regretting what could have been when you can just go and take that risk. Now, I will say, yes, sort of in retort, I don't think people can get away with doing that now as opposed to 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago. And I think that's just a change in climate of what society has deemed a necessary risk. Because you can come here to Los Angeles or New York or really any major metropolitan area thinking that you are you can make a go of it in a new city to be an artist. And admittedly, I will say, have these delusions of grandeur, Um. But until you find a way to actually fund it and you know have a, a good game plan, you, you know, what then kind of thing.
1: Well, and I couple things, right? Like in my mind, the song is um, better days is today. And and I've talked about this often that too many people say, Well, when I get get enough nest egg then Mm -hmm. i'll be happy if i get the kids out of diapers then i'll be happy when i get enough nest egg then i'll start working on my novel or then doing things you know my life is it you you enjoy the moment and the journey and you you don't wait for tomorrow you embrace today and that doesn't mean you don't plan for the future and doesn't do anything but just the idea is you enjoy where you're at now even though you're planning the other uh, thought. I, go ahead. Well, please.
0: I, I was going to say it's very interesting because the second paragraph outlines that touch of realism where it says, and you know, I, I understand the disclaimer that we had at the beginning of the show, not to curse, but I'm going to yeah. try my best. No, please. no go ahead. You know, where it says, "Well, I took a piss at Fortune's sweet kiss." It's like eating caviar and dirt. It's sad, funny ending to find yourself pretending a rich man in a poor man's shirt. And yes. I won't read. And I won't read the rest for sake of you know. Advertiser revenue or PG, but you know, basically I I think a lot of artists hoodwink themselves into believing that image is, is, is everything.
1: And the question I think all the time is when, when is drive, when is ambition, when is in believing yourself, do you cross the line where you're just being unrealistic? um everyone loves the story of someone that they kept working at their art they kept toiling they got you know brad Meltzer tells the story you know that his first novel was rejected and i'm going to get the number wrong but by 11 he got 11 rejecting levels there was only 10 publishing house he got rejected by one twice Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: You know, and as he tells that story and later he became published, you hear all the stories about people who keep fighting, 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 and then finally you get success. Well, when is, when do you go over from ambition and believing yourself to delusional? And, and, and I'm not saying you settle, but I, I think there's, um, and once again, there's this beautiful song on Bruce's devils and dust where um, Jesus was an only son. And it's the song from Mary's perspective of Jesus. And when he did this live, he he stopped kind of in the middle and he kept playing the piano and he said, you wonder if Jesus sits there and go, you know, there's this little bar down in that, you know, Galilee that's for sale. And I could pick that up. I could marry Mary Magdalene. We could have a few kids, and I could say preaching for the weekend. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like we could have a good life. Right. Um, And he said, and you know, the punchline is it's the humanity that truly brings um, the the power of this redemption story. So, um, is there and. Is there a way to have, and I believe there is, there is a way to have a wonderful life that and a good life, and you can find a way to stretch your creative muscles, yet at the same time be a responsible, you know, parent or spouse or sibling? Um, Well,
0: really, being a responsible artist, I mean, you see some of the longevity of these artists, they 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 piss away their fortune so to speak you know they make it big once Mm -hmm. and in essence they think that you know sky's the limit this high is never going to you know this train is never going to come to the station it's always going to go full throttle and it's like at, at the end of the day you have to stop you know some of these artists die from taking it too far especially in the music industry so I can't even imagine how people would, you know, how people can just carry on as if nothing's happening, as if their popularity isn't getting the better of them.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, there's two stories I have heard, um, about, um, you know, Fred Berry, the guy mm-hmm. who was on what's happening, the 70 sitcom, he played, um, rerun. Right. And, and the two stories are the first, um in the casting notes they were looking for this skinny kind of awkward white kid to play raj's friend and when fred berry came in he blew them away so much that they rewrote the script to cast him so this is a story I have been told by many people that casting direct that, you know, agents tell them like, Hey, if you're good enough in the audition, you can make this part your own. The other Mm. story is that Fred Berry in what's happening only happened 64 episodes, you know, only two or three years got so important and so thought of himself blew through all his money, thought he was more important than he was and and had a very tragic career. So two eyes, you know, two kind of sides of the coin. And um, yeah, I think you have to be appreciative when you get the success And, you know, continue to work for it, but also understand that, you know, there are, there are very few people that are going to be, and I know this is a Bob Dylan, right? You're not going to be Bob Dylan where, you know, it's still in the, you know, you know, in the two thousands you're getting a Nobel Prize and right. you know and you're still putting out great music.
0: Well, well that's well that's what expect that's where expectations really need to fall in line because you look at someone like, you know, Bob Dylan for one, but let's just say the Beatles for another. Yeah. A band that could tackle any genre and set the bar while they were at it right yeah and people go into it you know let's just say um like well i'm gonna sound so (laughs) not intelligent asking this but beatles was like classic rock right
1: yeah that's what yeah 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 so so,
0: (laughs) so so the genre isn't exactly dead but let's just say you have an artist tackling a genre that has had a history of success going into that with the expectations of well people are going to like my work because i mean hell look at who's been signed look at who's made a lot of money kind of thing
1: yeah
0: um only to find out when they come to la new york what have you moving from that small town city of selling out because that's what their population was very little they find out that they can't sell a single album or a single record or you know digital ep and in a 21st century yeah. so the the expectations it it's a it nosedives dives some some artists
1: yeah and it is such a unfair lottery business there are there are you know hundreds if not thousands of people that are incredibly gifted that are incredibly talented and um, Mark Evanier told the story. Uh, Mark Evanier is a very successful comic book writer, TV writer. He, he he worked on Welcome Back, Cotter. He was the executive producer and head writer for the Garfield um, animated cartoon series that lasted forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he spent a lot of times working on the... Um, oh, the, the Sid and Croft like variety shows of the 70s. Anyway, you know, uh, Mark has written in all kinds of known Hollywood, known of these things. And he tells the story. He says that there were two stand-up comedians, both in, equally talented, both equally amazing. And one gets a gig and it's a, it's a guest star spot. And it gets him a little bit of attention. And next thing you know, he's on a sitcom, and the sitcom gets his fire, and all of a sudden he has this career and he's incredibly successful. The other stand up comedian, just as funny, just as talented, just as nice a guy, never catches that break and continues just to, you know, kind of go through what you would call a journeyman's career. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the business isn't fair. Right. Uh, and there are people that write beautiful novels that people don't read
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and, you know, and that doesn't, and, and so that I go back to the question, when is pursuing your dream become unhealthy? And I don't know, that, it's not my time to say that it's right. not, you can't say that, but I think you have to have that discussion yourself to know, Okay is it time for me to do something else or can I find a compromise? As you talked about a, um, a day gig to get me through and I'll work through this other um, hoping for better days.
0: Right. I think also in regards to like a day gig or like a secondary hobby or, you know, whatever happens to fund the artistic path. I think people also don't under don't understand the correlation between having a job or having a career that you are actually content with and its benefits of distancing yourself from the art itself, right So I would talk to a plethora of artists in college and, and even high school back when they wanted to start and they you know flat out told me, if you aren't working on your art you know 24/7 if you aren't hustling, grinding, and, you know, many other synonyms that I've grown to despise over the yeah. years, Be- because honestly, it just implies that you have so big of an ego that you are not willing to to go outside and venture into the other possibilities of what your life may contain other than your art, which you think is great, you know, so that becomes a vicious cycle in and of itself. But the benefits of walking away from a project, I don't think people really have have grasped the importance of that. Like it's okay to walk away from it and it's okay to reroute yourself. But people have it in their minds where it's just like if you're not working on your projects, then you're wasting time.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, never,
0: unheal- that's unhealthy that's unhealthy.
1: There is unhealthy, and you never know where that inspiration may come one one of my favorite stories is um they were interviewing um the um mothers of a couple of pro quarterbacks and um they they talked to Troy Aikman's mother mm. uh and um you know and she was saying well i believe the reason why Troy is so good is that after the game, um, in the car, we would not let him talk about the game. We would talk about his sister's mm-hmm. games and we would talk about other things, and but we would not discuss anything at all. And I think that distance he had and that ability for him to think about other things is one of the reasons why he was really good. OK, they talked right. to John Elway's mother, John Elway's mom goes, you know, I think the reason why John was so good is that in the car on the way home, his dad and him would go over every play and they would talk about everything because his dad was a coach and they would discuss it and they would spend time truly you know, to the minuscule about his career. Yeah. And I think well, that like way, honing, John's, yeah. yeah, like honing so, his craft. So I think that my John is so good. Okay. Both hall of fame quarterbacks, both divergent ways of being raised. And the answer is if you're a hall of fame quarterback, it's going to be hard for you to screw it up. Right. Right. And so I think if the talent is there and you may not get your big break. But if the talent is there, whether you spend it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I think is unhealthy. Or if you find a, a somewhat healthy mix, or you go, um, you, you go, if you're struggling with a story and you go, paint or you exercise or you go spend time with your kids or you know go to dinner with your friends and like okay we don't want to talk about this now your subconscious may work and work on that problem you're having and you may come back and go oh that's it that's that's that was the that was the key I I was missing to finish this plot twist right wait, we've gotten heavy all of a sudden, Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I mean, you said that this show was full of tangents, and to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm having fun.
1: <laughs> well, good, I'm glad. Um, I did want to talk about, you You did say that as you were doing COVID and, and you're going, music was something that really, uh, and I'm using my words, not you, but a life preserver, a, yes. a, 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 a oasis talk to me a little bit about that
0: so well you you hit the nail right on the head um i will say before it was a life preserver it was actually an anchor okay um in the beginning because i was i was very much interested you know i was in the in the mindset of still continuously tackling new mediums and music was next on the chopping block Not so much to get another notch on my belt, but in essence, to see if I can do it. Now, I'm going to put this all out on the table um, for sake of not only brevity, but uh, humility as well. I feel like as an artist, you can make a myriad of mistakes, and I certainly have. And quite possibly one of my biggest mistakes was in the field of music because I was unaware of the, I guess, particular morality issues of it. And I will go into that. Trust me, I'm not trying to speak in hindsight here.
1: No, no, no. I understand.
0: I began, as I think any fan of music uh, naturally does, uh, sampling tracks editing them in a certain way making them you know maybe a lower tempo and, and to sort of understand the, the the genre of what i am tackling or what i currently tackle it is the alternative lo-fi beat you could say i'm not mm-hmm. sure if you've heard of the genre it's essentially just songs at a lower bpm Maybe yeah. you put in a few uh, you know reverbs in there. It's slowed down, but it, it it's this very calming melody that a, that a, a bunch of indie musicians uh, attempt. And they do it quite well. I began sampling songs. All right. I didn't sample songs from big name artists or anything like that, even though, and I will get into why this is ironic in in a bit, even though the internet, I will say this, the internet is a great place to share information, but it's also a great place to crack down on what isn't yours. So when you have something that sounds remotely similar, or you know whether it be in music, in film, in illustration, in writing, there is a copyright system in place to fight back against that. These particular types of songs that other artists were utilizing, they were from artists like Michael Jackson was one. Uh, oh God. So many. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're,
1: you're good. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, it's not coming to mind, but. Uh,
1: but I understand what your point. There but, but you know what I mean? Like
0: th- there is sampling
1: th- huge
0: acts, huge acts uh, predominantly from the eighties, because that was when sort of the, uh, I mean, you're older than I am, you know, the, the funk genre, if you will, sure, absolutely. sounds sounds nice when it's slowed and reverbed. Right. Anyways, I decided that I was not going to go that route. I was going to sample other artists that um that weren't signed, but were rather royalty-free, that were non-copyrighted material. And I considered, I got in my head, okay, this must be fine, considering that if it's not copyrighted material anyone could theoretically use it so that's what i did i used it they sounded great i submitted these you know i'm not selling my work at this point i'm actually shopping around for for independent labels and one actually contacted me and i am signed with them still to this day i'll get into that <laughs> trust yeah. me i I'm, I'm building this up
2: no, no, into, no you're good.
0: yeah but After a few months of doing this, I quickly realized that this was not a fruitful endeavor. And I realized that because multiple artists actually came forward and told me point blank, this is not okay to do. Now, when you have it in your head of people have sampled since the beginning of music's existence, let alone have gotten away with it with bigger names and bigger labels how is what i'm doing so bad now that attitude quickly changed from justification to well they're right because at the end of the day these were independent artists and that was a much much bigger minefield to play around in because while ironically bigger labels would give you a slap on the wrist these little independent artists W- would threaten me with you know lawsuits and everything mm-hmm. like that sure and that was something that i wasn't prepared for that was something i didn't want to deal with and music to me at the time it wasn't worth wasting my life over you know right. legally at least so uh the label told me about it you know they even they were confused like yeah people have sampled since you know the dawn of time but um you know we're just gonna ahead and delete it we're still going to keep your contract and i'm like okay great i didn't touch music for months i was terrified of it i was terrified at stepping on other people's toes okay i was terrified at even the chance of doing something wrong that people were were to be like look this isn't yours Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day the paranoia snowballed into a point where it's like well Anyone could play the drums. Anyone could play the guitar or the flute. You know, these these instruments aren't copyrighted material, but the sounds coming out of them potentially could be. Yeah. You kind of understand what I'm saying? Like I do. In a, in... So fast forward a couple of months. It's now the new year. This all took place in, I want to say, end of, noc- end of October going into November. So now it's January 2021. And I decide... Look, I only have one life to live, so I may as well attempt it again. I download GarageBand. Uh most people would say that GarageBand is pretty dinky. They'd probably go off and use something like FL Studio or uh, or Ableton or some other or some other uh uh what is it? Audio workspace. Digital. There, there's a particular acronym for it. Okay. Garage band is on the lower end. You can say you know beginners utilize it, and I started utilizing it. I started utilizing you know the the, the royalty free loops that they had. I started implementing my own sort of pitch shifts and everything, and slowly but surely, it regained my confidence of yeah, this is something that I could I could definitely. I can do and I can make it sound good. And uh, what's more, I could put it out there for people to see. Now, of course that came with its own fair share of inner struggles, inner complications of, well, is this okay to do? Am I allowed to legally sell songs made out of non copyrighted material? Because I went down this path before I'm not looking to go down it again for the negative repercussions. Sure. Um, thankfully it is, is all sound and above board. You just can't, you know, you just can't like take a loop, like a loop on its own and try to sell that. Obviously you have to put them in some sort of composition. And uh, ever since then, I mean, there's been no hiccups again. I knock on wood, but the the music community as, as interesting and as experimental as it can be. um, I'm also going to say point blank. It's one of the most toxic communities I think I've ever been a part of. Yeah, Yeah, I bet you didn't expect that right hook there. But no, no, uh, I get it. Yeah, (laughs) it's it is a forget about the whole money making aspect of it. It is just it's ruthless, it really is. Yeah, It, it gets to the point sometimes where you even debate with yourself of like, well, if there's so many roadblocks, how is it fun being an artist?
1: Yeah. That is a great question. And what is your thoughts?
0: My thought is that while art isn't necessarily fun in an entrepreneurial aspect, because at the end of the day, if you're doing art, it's not the way it used to be where people create for the sole purpose of they were genuinely inspired to create it. I feel like a lot of art nowadays has to adhere to a specific agenda This is not going to be a political discussion, trust me, but I feel like a lot of art is uh, commissioned to portray a certain perspective. Uh The genuineness to create a piece out of one's own inner ambition may very well still be there, but there is a more sinister backing to it. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it is about money. It is about the livelihood of, con- of the continuation of the medium for a specific artist. And if an artist point blank doesn't have funding, they're not going to be able to do it. At least, or at least to the extent of continuously putting their art out there. After all, when agents sign an actor to their, to their casting agency, they are expectant that that actor is going to make them money. As a as a percentage, sure. Right. So if you're noticed to a degree and you are represented, that kickback needs to still be expected. You know, you still need to be putting out particular content that people enjoy that brings in dollars. Yeah. Do
1: do you do you? I mean, it's. Do, are you enjoying doing this? Because it does sound like it in a lot of times. Oh, very much. Okay, you, yeah, this no, is still fun yeah. for you.
0: Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Please don't please don't confuse that with me being cynical towards it. No I've no. had my a fair share of cynical thoughts of like, well... You know, at the end of the day, if, you know, if there are this many, if it is a minefield, why would I, why would I knowingly and willingly walk into a minefield? You wouldn't, right? But artists still do it anyway, because, you know, the, the, the need to create, it is a, it can be fulfilling and it is fulfilling. Obviously artists aren't going to stop just because you tell them to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you make do with the environment around you and I guess to a more extreme extent, you suffer the consequences for it. You go to jail, or you—hell, I know some artists—they're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of yeah. artists that are dead for what they for because they stood for what they believed in. So,
1: mm-hmm. do what we didn't talk about this. You you talked immediately when growing up, you know, loving art and and loving writing, but you didn't talk about what. What were music people that influenced you? What were bands or artists that you loved?
0: So I think a lot like people growing up, their music tastes differ. Sure. Uh, I went through my standalone phase of, you know, loving video games as a kid. So I would listen to a lot of, you know, chip tune and tech like techno Growing up, going into, you know, my moody phase, I listened to a lot of Green Day, My Chemical Romance, and, you know, God, Death Cab for Cutie. That just gave me flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Starting to grow up a lot more, introduced to classic rock, and then, you know, hoodwinking myself into believing that, oh, I can play an instrument. Now, I can, to some degree. I still like to to, to focus myself into more so the you know electronic aspect of it working from a computer. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just I, I can't really easily answer that question other than a wide genre dependent on my age.
1: Well, what about electronic and, and the compute music from a computer? Why does do you, can you explain why that spoke to you?
0: Sure. When I first was introduced to the lo-fi genre, this was music that, you know, I'm not sure if you've listened to it yourself, but upon first listen, it is very heavily computer edited. And you'd okay. think to yourself, "Well, that must not sound very good <laughs> because there because there's only so much that you can do with a classic instrument. A lot of it takes skill to learn. and, even more to master. So you'd think to yourself automatically, well, it must not take that much skill in a computer. Most of it's built in anyway, and you can change pitches and shifts and hats, snares and claps on a dime. And you can, yes, you would admittedly think that it's easier to compose a track. Mm -hmm. Is it? Well, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Obviously you can accomplish many different genres electronically Again, that's besides the point. Lo fi for me was a genre that was very easy to get into. You know, it's subgenre, or I will say it's, it's parent genre, Vaporwave, or, you know, sister genre, whatever, Vaporwave. You know, the slow, melodic, trance-iness of it. It was just, it's what hooked me onto very somber forms of art and expression now i can now i can enjoy a good classical piece as much as the next guy but i don't know something about this really spoke to me in just composition overall how a piece can be edited to an extent uh to all hell and still sound good and i think what's more just how it can be improved from there you know like i said a lot of these vaporwave lo-fi pieces are sampled from big name um you know big name artists mm-hmm. so you'd think to yourself well that must not take a lot of effort but it still sounds good it still sounds like it was like expertly composed and again i i can't do it justice until you until you actually you know sit down with it to um, to sort of understand because it's, it's, it's interesting. It's experimental. It's, I could name off all these buzzwords all day, but <laughs> I'm biased. so No,
1: no, I understand that. And, you know, I was talking to someone this weekend and, you know, he said that, you know, we used to define musical instruments by, um, you know, things with strings mm-hmm. and um, with Keyboards or or the, you know, guitars or pianos or, um, you know, other stringed instruments, and then you have, you know, orchestra instruments and things. He says, and now then there is a set of music that, it's all from a computer, and it it is just as much a valid musical instrument as your twelve string guitar or a violin or you know any other instrument so i I hear that a little bit in your discussion right like you're that is the instrument you can use to help build and compose your musical you know
0: right right Now, now the dichotomy of that is very interesting from a personal standpoint you know for me at least, because if I were, if you were to put a gun to my head and say, you know, traditional music or computerized music, I'd say traditional music all the, all the way. Um, That's just my personal opinion. The reason why I have such a fondness over computerized compositions is because that is what allowed me to not only have my start in music, but also sort of have my own personal redemption. Yeah. Um, I've, made more tracks since the whole, uh, I, I, guess you could say incident, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it was a learning experience for me. It really was back in November and having that, you know, had it not been for that, I don't think I would have appreciated the whole composition element of music making, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it's done on garage band, I can look at a track that I've done and say, while simplistic, I'm walking away content about what I've put together
1: has has music always been part of your process though so as you wrote and as you drew yes. like when you were writing you know mm-hmm. novels or you know stories or poetry or whatever kind of prose you're writing or when you're drawing was Definitely. there music part of that background more traditional or more a little bit of both
0: a little bit of both uh it was dependent on what genre i was tackling at the time now if you're I would say music fueled a lot of how the overall composition of the picture or mm-hmm. the tone of story factored out. You know, if I needed to listen to something calm and soothing because I was writing or illustrating a calm or soothing scene, it worked miles better than listening to just a full on guitar riff. If that makes sense.
1: No, it does. It you does.
0: Know? Like it puts you in the right headspace.
1: hmm Is, and this is okay if you don't have an answer, but um, is there a version of comfort food that you would call comfort music, that there is an album or a song or a set of, you know, songs that are a safety net or a sense of comfort for you?
0: Yes. Um I will say though, I, I can actually name and name an album point blank uh, though I will give you a disclaimer in advance it is very much a double-edged sword because while comforting it can it can most times be unsettling. okay It's one of those albums that you kind of have to go into it with the headspace of either I have no idea what this is and in that case you're in for a treat or, I know exactly what that album is, and I'm here to experience it uh, with a new perspective. And that album is The Caretakers Everywhere at the End of Time. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, if you haven't heard of this album,
1: I have not. But I would I'm an you, old man.
0: <laughs> I would advise you to listen to it. It, it is a seven-hour album. Oh. Yes. This album has been a cornerstone for me in not only music composition, but genuine and general appreciation of the world around me. Uh, one look into the comments and you'll know that something's up where people are posting lengthy paragraph discussions about personal matters uh, pertaining to uh, growing old. Uh, the album in essence is essentially uh focused primarily on dementia and alzheimer's okay and the degradation of of a human life of one human's mind and knowing that music can be such a powerful factor in the the recollection potentially and the general memory acquisition of it it's just it's when i listened to it to the, for the first time like most people i got emotional Mm -hmm. Um, My family has a history of Alzheimer's and knowing that knowing after a a recent death in the family, knowing the knowing that degradation in such a way without actually experiencing it, it was it was powerful, to say the least you know having that solace in understanding the un the the inunderstandable you know having solace in understanding what otherwise can't be understood you could say that is that speaks volumes
1: you know what's what's interesting is I, i'm pulling this up um and this is probably not connected at all but i'm a little reminded of the in and of itself, the the one man play that just recently was released on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it.
0: I have, and I haven't. Okay. Um,
1: it it is a one man play, and uh, I will go with what everyone else says. As little of of you knowing about it is better for you when you go into it but basically this is a one-man story talking about identity and identity of himself and how other people see him and how Mm -hmm. you see yourself um and it is a very interesting 90 minute show that um and i remember i did not know this but um when it recently came on uh, Penn Sunday School you know where Penn Jillette does a um, twice a week podcast and uh, they talked about it being on Hulu and they actually linked to like four or five years ago where he was on the podcast and he says I just saw the best magic show I've ever seen and it's like no other magic show I've ever seen and it's this play called In of Itself and um, and you don't even like you don't even know it's a, it, it is much more than just a new way to show magic it is a different kind of show and so mm-hmm. looking at this everywhere at the time and I, I just pulled up the wikipedia you know thing and the, talking about it um it does sound something that would be I, I can see how that depending on your mood this is where i want to be challenged i want to be comforted Um, I have a little bit of feeling of that when Brian Wilson, uh, finished smile, uh, you know, he had abandoned smile when he was with the beach boys, you know, he, and then he later came back as an adult and finished the album. And when I listen to that album now, I find it very, um, challenging at times and, and very creative and a very different journey, Mm -hmm. um, versus, loving pet sounds or a spring scene album. Um, it, it isn't that kind of, it, it's a different kind of music that makes me think a different way. So that's interesting. You're sharing that. I will certainly have to check that out.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a, it is an album that. Ugh, it, it's a trip. Uh, I'll definitely, yeah. I'll definitely tell you that.
1: That's interesting. Um, Sebastian, we've, we've gone an hour, And I feel like we've just got started, but for the sake of what should I have asked you that I have not
0: to tell you the truth, I think that this was in, in all honesty, a a perfect conversation and and the perfect ending, um, ending off with this, with this topic, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to tell you the truth, I mean, you, you sent me a list of possible questions, and even though I, I want to say a third of those were actually asked, this conversation was, it, it was everything, everything promised and more. You know, I, I absolutely enjoyed it.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Sebastian. Um I will... This will be one of the times when I get off, and I I know you're on Instagram. You're not on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter uh, is
0: it's kind of a war zone. But Instagram is where you can find me.
1: (laughs) And where, but this will be one of the times where, when when we finish our conversation, I will go on Twitter and I will say, "Oh my God, I just had the most interesting discussion with Sebastian (laughs) Shug."
2: Oh, thank you. Uh,
1: And um, you know, and this is one of those things where. I just, it, it's interesting to kind of go down these roads and, and discuss the topics. And um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing for yourself. Thank you of, you know, um, enjoying the conversation. Um, I appreciate it, but I can't let you go till I ask you the merry question. And okay. I did give you the notes before. So, but those of you, let's say, you're a fan of Sebastian's or you're a a friend or family and you're like what the hell is the Mary question um Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area he just recently retired Mm -hmm. but for many years um he would take his honors English class that's composed of seniors and they would spend two days taking the Bruce Springsteen song Thunder Road and breaking it apart um the lyrics and uh treating it as a poem uh he they discuss the imagery that bruce uses the the themes and uh they will often compare it to robert frost poetry and then at the end of the two days they ask the question does mary get in the car so sebastian that is your (sighs) question does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road?
0: Well, I, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, BS you here. You asked me the question uh, in the email, and immediately I was like, okay, this is something that I need to look up, and I did looking at it with a fresh perspective now because I just pulled it up again and I had this whole answer prepared, you know, because I was looking at the lyrics and how they all fit together and everything. Does Mary climb into the car? I have to ask the question of is what is, what's promised at the other side of getting in the car better than the situation she's in now? Because you look at the lyrics, you look at the lyrics, right? Your graduation gown lies in rags at their feet and in the lonely cool before dawn, it's a town full of losers and I'm pulling out of here to win. I'm just, I'm, I'm cherry picking here.
1: No, I understand.
0: I think the question isn't so much, does Mary get in a car? It's the question of, is the situation of hers so damn horrid that getting in the car without the promise of what's going to happen next going to be better than the situation that she's currently in by comparison does she climb in um i sure hope so okay uh what what's your opinion on it
1: um so i i am an optimistic and i am a um i i grew up i make the joke and it's not totally untrue i grew up watching disney movies Mm -hmm. and i believe in happily ever after so of course she gets in the car right because uh, yeah
0: yeah well i was gonna say my my original perspective was actually pessimistic or or more so realistic where it was like yes it's like mary look things may be going wrong (laughs) okay but you kind of have to be you have to be independent in your decision making here so like what what are you doing climbing in this car You know, and I I took it at face value of like, here's a fresh new opportunity. It's almost like selling your soul to the devil where you make a decision just to get out of a crappy circumstance, thinking that this is going to lead you on the path of something better than whatever is comparable to what's happening right now. When in reality, giving it some time And letting the situation play out, you find that it's not as bad as you initially think it is. Now I'm looking at it with a with a fresh perspective, and I realize, well, things can't get any worse for her.
1: Okay, sure.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? So I feel like that there's there's a fine line that you can walk down. Of you know, Mary, just 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 kind of tough it out. But at the end of the day. I hope the decision of what she's making, if she does decide to climb into the car, is it's worth it. You know, if he's pulling out of there to win, you know, he better.
1: So what I find interesting, and and this has become my version of actor studio you know, inside the actor studio, those six questions he asked, right? And someone said that like, this has become your way. And I do, I, I asked this question to everyone, whether a Springsteen fan or not. And like yourself, I, I like, I give you an advance, listen to the song, read the song. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I have two episodes. I have a episode where I took about 50, um, 40 or 50 answers and, put them all together. And then I had Jay join me because Jay's been on the show a couple of times. And, um, and then I had Jay join me after listening to everyone's answers and him talk about the answers, you know, I, I, and that's why I give him credit every time. Like this is his question. Mm-hmm. Um, I took, um, 60% roughly say yes, 40% say no. So hmm. it, it's saying no, she doesn't get in the car is not that unusual of an answer. Um, it is um, we get the um, we get some um, female um, guest who take it as Bruce Springsteen is asking me to get the car. Hell yes, I'm getting in the car with him, right? <laughs> um, you know, um, I, I just emailed you the most unique answer Bex Goss was um, a podcaster, and she her podcast is all about putting college level analysis on children entertainment Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: her and her husband have toddlers and they have to watch the same thing over and over and over again so just it remains sane they kind of had this and she wrote it as if you know this was a murder mystery and if oh my god if mary gets in the car she's going to end up dead (laughs) and she explains why and i mailed you those notes um you know um i have a couple of favorite answers one guy said that, um, and if you're not a Springsteen fan, you won't get the beauty of this. But um, in this album, Western Stars, which is the album before his, his next to last album, there's a song called Moonlight Motel, uh, which ends with the guy um, pouring a shot out in memory of his, of his past bride. Mm-hmm. and the guy said that yes they get in the car they drive all the way to california they spend their life together and moonlight motel is the end of their life he is mourning mary's passing okay mm. that's a pretty damn good answer um one of my favorites is um the guy said it depends I'm like okay go ahead i want to hear more he said <laughs> when bruce and the band play it she gets in the car because this the song ends with Clarence's you know saxophone solo or now then Jake's the full band plays it off and it's one of triumph they are in the car they're driving off they are going to conquer the world um when he does it solo the end of it is him just kind of humming and uh playing silently at the end she doesn't get in the car and that's him driving off by himself um uh, sad that he doesn't she didn't join him. And I'm like, "Okay, that's effing brilliant." <laughs> you know, depending <laughs> on it. So, right. um we always have fun with it and and I love I, I love your answer. Um uh, this is truly one of those where there is no right answer. Um it is um you know, instead of schroeder's cat, it's Schrodinger's Mary, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just depending on what you want and You know, many people have and I and I I can't tell you how often, Sebastian, someone has hung up and like a day or two later, Jesse, I have another thought. Can I record you and you tax that in? Like, I'm like, yeah, no, I'd love that. (laughs) So this is great. Um, All right. So we've already established that you're not on Twitter, but you are on Instagram. Tell people how to reach you. Uh, Websites, whatever you want. Promote away, my friend
0: sounds great feel free to look me up on www.sebastianrshug.com um now i will say that you know because sebastian shug publishing has gone underground (laughs) you could say uh it's more or less a landing page um that is something that i would actually now that i think about it that's a website that you could go to. However, I am most active actually on YouTube where I upload daily narrations on my uh, YouTube channel, Seabass. That's S-E-A-B-A-S-S, spelled and sounded exactly like the fish. I'm also a member of the joint YouTube channel, It's All Subjective. We just posted a new video today about streetwear. So that's that was fun. <laughs> You can also find me on a myriad of other podcasts such as Mars on Life, co-hosted with Ryan Mancini. There we do a deep dive on the various miscellaneous art stuffs in the greater Los Angeles area. There's also Shugsy Storytime, which is essentially just an audio archive of my YouTube channel. There's a a ton of stuff that you could could look up.
1: Well, um, I I will tell you Um, if you're open to it, I want you to come back on the show and talk about some of the other podcasts, talk about future things when you, when you're going, I would love to have you back on, uh, please.
0: I I would, I would be more than happy to,
1: I have had a great time talking to you. Uh, this has been wonderful and I certainly hope, um, continued success and, you know, keep fighting the good fight my friend as we all try to get through this pandemic
0: thank you you as well
1: all right so listeners you go check out his youtube channel i will include a link in the show notes uh please let us know what you think uh for now though remember to social distance remember to wash your hands remember to wear a mask let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this And for now, take care, and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Take take care. Thank you to my patrons who help support the show. It is greatly appreciated. I want to thank Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosick, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and my first patron, Mary Thomas. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support you give me. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said listening Bruce. lessing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme
2: for Setlessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.